Settle in, people. Here comes the What For. This is the What For Podcast. I'm Andy, your host. Welcome back to another episode. And today, we're going to continue my story. When we left off, I was in junior high, or what most people call middle school these days. And so we'll continue the story there. And one important thing to hit right off the bat is, at this point in my life, we had discovered that I was having a lot of trouble maintaining grades. Not because I wasn't intelligent, not because I wasn't doing the work, but I just wasn't turning in my homework. I was missing assignments. It was frustrating to me and to my parents. So this had been going on for a while where I was just missing assignments and we had to get to the bottom of it. And I don't know who suggested this, whether it was a teacher, whether it was my parents, but at a certain point it was decided that every couple of weeks my parents would come to school and they'd clean out with me my desk, my locker, and my book bag. And we'd find all these assignments that I had never turned in. They were complete and they were good. They were passing grades, but I just hadn't turned them in. I could not remember where I had put them after I finished them. Well, it's kind of funny now, but it was terribly frustrating at the time. So, in the eighth grade, it was suggested that I be tested for attention deficit disorder. Well, I had never heard of such a thing, but my parents thought it was a good idea to get me tested, so we did. So one afternoon, I sat in this little office and I played these puzzle games. And I'm sure there was more to it than that, but that's the part I remember. And I was breezing through these things. There were these little black and white blocks and you had to turn them a certain way to make certain shapes and certain designs. And I was breezing through these things until I got to one particular puzzle and I just couldn't figure it out. I spent what seemed like the rest of the day trying to figure out that puzzle. It was probably only a minute or maybe two, but it just seemed like forever. And my brain just couldn't figure out where to turn, how to fix it, how to put it in the right place. And so that's where the test ended. And I don't know, a week or so later, the results came back, and sure enough, I had been diagnosed with attention deficit disorder. Not the hyperactive side. I was not the kid bouncing off the walls. I just couldn't focus. I just couldn't keep track of things. Like, I would do a homework assignment. I'd complete it. I'd put it back in my notebook, in my book bag. And then by the next morning, when it was time to turn that assignment in, I could not remember where I had put that assignment. Terribly frustrating, especially to my parents, but also to me, because I was the kid that wanted to do well. I wanted to get decent grades in school. You know, my mom and dad are both intelligent people. My sister is very intelligent. And so, yes, there was a little bit of family peer pressure there, but it was also pressure from myself. I wanted to do well. So the ADD diagnosis helped a little, 
in that it helped us all understand what was going on with my brain, why things weren't being done, why things weren't being turned in. That was helpful, but I still had to figure out how to deal with that. Side note here. While I could not remember where I had put my homework from the night before, I could very easily remember baseball statistics for my favorite teams and players, which was incredibly frustrating to my parents. What can I say? Some stuff hung around, some stuff didn't. Oh well, such is life. But eventually, the ADD led to me going on a drug called Ritalin, which is the precursor to the Adderall and all these other ADD drugs now. And we'll get more into that at a later time. But I can say that the Ritalin did help me focus some. It did help me keep track of things better. So that was a plus. I know I've mentioned in some other episodes that I am a lover of music. I'm a music nut. And in junior high, I got involved with the school band. I played trumpet, which was great. It helped me foster that love of music, and it helped me learn kind of how music works in a certain way. So it was very beneficial to me. And I did that my 7th, 8th, and ninth grade years. Then I moved to high school, and I kind of dropped the band thing altogether, and I got into choral music. Now, it's very important to point out that my high school had an incredible choral program. And by that I mean we were known all over the state of North Carolina. My director was well known for bringing about excellence in every group that he led. Every group whether you were a beginning group, whether you were the audition-only group, you were expected to sing with excellence. You know, a lot of high schools have choirs, and it's, for most people, a course that they choose to fill their schedule, to fill an open spot, to bring up the grade point average with an easy course. That was not the case at my high school. We worked in those classes. There was an expectation, just like there would have been in a math or a science or an English class, that you would do work. And we did. My director, Mr. Williams, was a passionate man. He was passionate about music, and he was also passionate about instilling a love of music in his students. That was where he really excelled to me was instilling that love of music. And in doing so, he taught us how to sing well, how to sing with excellence, how to present the music. My sophomore year, I was in the mixed chorus, which was a group of about 40, 45 people. And it was the beginning group. It was where Mr. Williams laid the foundation for that love of music, for teaching us how music worked. So I spent my sophomore year there, learning and growing in that love of music. And then, going into your junior year, students were permitted to audition 
for what we called the chamber singers. This was a small select group that was audition only, and you sung a different type of choral music in chamber singers. You also competed at a higher level in chamber singers. And if you loved music, you wanted to be in this group. Being chosen to be in chamber singers was a very high honor. So, I auditioned. And I remember very clearly that day at the end of my sophomore year when Mr. Williams announced the ones that had made the cut to be in chamber singers that following year. And mine was the very last name to be called. <sighs> Big sigh of relief, but man, what a thrill to be involved in this group that had such a high reputation. And let me back up a little bit here and talk about that reputation. Mr. Williams had a record, I don't even know how many years this record ran, but every group that he took to a competition, whether it was a mixed chorus, a men's chorus, a women's chorus, a chamber singers, a concert choir, take your pick. Whatever group he took to a competition came home with a superior rating, which is the highest rating you can achieve at these competitions. Every group he took for I don't know how many years came home with that superior rating. So you had a reputation to maintain if you were selected for a group like Chamber Singers. You were expected to bring it every time to maintain that reputation. I'll take that a step further. I remember my senior year. We were doing a competition with the concert choir, which was a little bit larger group, and, and again, a, a different style of music than the chamber singers a little bit. And in this particular competition, rather than writing down comments, the three judges all had little pocket tape recorders, and they were recording their comments as we sang. Well, we go to this competition, and we sing, and we know we've sung well, and we come home with our superior rating as we expect. And then the next week, Mr. Williams let us hear the judge's comments from those tapes. They were actually sent to him so he could hear the comments and the feedback. And he let us hear that. And I don't think I will ever forget the one judge's comment. We hit our very first chord of our very first song. And the judge says into his tape recorder, And welcome to the Jim Williams Choral Festival. Folks, that was not the name of the festival. That's the name of my director. His reputation was so strong that the moment we opened our mouths, the judge instantly equated our sound with our director. It was that recognizable. That's how far this reputation went. Now, backing up to junior year and this chamber singers group, I don't know that I have ever been a part of a group that was so special, so unique, so naturally gifted. It was a group of 18 singers, 7 guys and 11 girls. 
And there was just something about this group that was powerful together. In general, we got along well. We sang well. And, you know, even in rehearsal, you can kind of tell when things are going along nicely. And we just had a good, clean sound. We blended well. Our dynamics, our loud and soft, was very, very strong. We just had a feel for these intricate elements of music. That spring, we went to a very large competition in Williamsburg, Virginia. And we were divided into groups and then by classification, by what type of group you were. And then there was an overall kind of best-in-show competition. And I don't know how many groups were there. It seemed like about a thousand. It probably wasn't near that many, but it was quite a number, quite a number of groups that had come to participate in this competition. And I believe the chamber singers were split into four groups. There were enough groups of that type to split into four. And so we sang our selections, and we felt like we had done very, very well. We thought we had done at least well enough to win our group. And come the end of the competition, there's a huge award ceremony. You know, everybody's there. And sure enough, we were announced as the winner of our group. And then it got to the overall classification champion. The winners of all these groups were pitted against each other to win the classification. Well, we won the classification, which meant we were now in the running for best in show. We missed best in show by seven-tenths of a point, if I recall this story correctly, and I think I do. We lost out to an 80-voice choir from Tennessee. And we heard them sing. They were an army. They were massive. And they were unbelievable. So, to finish second as a group of 18 to an 80-voice choir, yeah, we're okay with that. I tell you all of this really just to boil it down to say that my musical experience in high school was about as good as it could get. In fact, when I went off to college, I wanted my college choirs to work harder. I didn't feel like we were putting in the work that I had put in in high school. But I want to shift gears now to another interest I had in both junior high and high school, and that was football. Now, you may remember from a previous episode that my mother would not let me play football. I found another way to get in with the team. I was a student trainer. I learned how to wrap ankles and knees and how to dip guys in ice buckets and all kinds of fun things like that. And by the way, there's nothing funnier than a 250-pound guy whining because it's too cold! But, oh, I loved being on the sideline with that football team. There is nothing like being on the sideline with those guys and being a part of them battling it out. 
I had the best time and I made some great, great friends on that sideline. In fact, my senior year of high school, I was even selected as an honorary trainer for a North and South Carolina all-star high school football game. Now, did I actually get to wrap an ankle at that game? No, I just got to hang out on the sideline. But that was totally cool with me. I was on the field. And there's nothing like being on that field. It will light you up. Speaking of, now's a great time for us to light it up. Light it up! And I'm going to use today's light it up segment to share another TLA with you. Another true life adventure. And it relates to the friendships that I made on the football field. When I was a senior in high school, I was dating a young lady, and it kind of flew under the radar around the school because, well, basically everything I did flew under the radar, and I was kind of okay with that in general. Well, one day at lunch, I'm sitting in a group of people that I didn't normally sit with. It was an off day. I don't know if I had gone to lunch at a slightly different time or something, but I ended up sitting in a group of people that I didn't normally sit with. Some of them I knew well, some of them I just really didn't. Well, the guy sitting next to me all of a sudden starts talking junk about this girl I'm dating. And, you know, guys, you know how we do. We don't take kindly to that. And while I'm not much of a fighting type, don't talk about my people. Don't talk about the people I love. Don't do that. So he's talking junk, and I told him, cool it. That's enough. Well, you know, he keeps on. He's talking, talking, talking. And I told him again, listen, that's enough. Shut it down. Oh, he stood up. He's like, well, what are you going to do about it? Don't challenge me, my friend. I stood up. I threw my fork down, which tells you how mad I was. If I stopped eating, I'm mad, okay? <laughs> Just saying. I stood up. And I was about to go. I mean, it was about to be on. Well, I look over this guy's shoulder, and I see my buddy. I'm just going to call him BP, because I didn't get his permission to talk about him in this podcast. I see BP over his shoulder. Now, you got to understand, BP was our left tackle on our football team. BP was 6'3", 275. He was a big old boy. Now, that being said, BP was also the biggest teddy bear you'd ever meet. The kindest guy would give you the shirt off his back. But I look over his shoulder and I see BP standing behind him. And all he says to me is, Hey Andy, got a problem? Well, Mr. Big Mouth recognized the voice as being that of big old BP. I literally watched the color drain out of his face. I looked at him and I just said, we got a problem? He very sheepishly said, no man, we're cool. And he sat back down. I looked over at BP, I said, no man, we're good, thanks. He went on, ate his lunch. We all went on about our business. Why do I tell you that story? Well, because all these years later, 
BP is still a dear, dear friend of mine. He has remained this constant, steady friend in my life. He is the kind of person I would let my little girls hang out with. I would let them spend time with him because I know the content of his character. You know, he's this big old tough boy, but he's a big old teddy bear once you get to know him. And we all need people like that in our lives, don't we? The people that have our backs, but the people that will also pat us on the back when we need it. Those are the kind of friends you want, and frankly, the kind of friend you want to be. So maybe that's the lesson for all of us. Be that friend. Be that friend that sticks up for people, but also walks alongside people and, and has their back and shows that kindness. I mean, how many times in Scripture are we told to love one another? And you know, sometimes that love is tough and strong, and sometimes that love is very tender, very compassionate. It requires both. So let's be that kind of friend to each other. What do you say? If you have a story that you think would be great for a Light It Up segment, something funny, something heartwarming, please email that story to whatforpodcast at gmail.com. Once again, that's what, the number four, podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to interact with us on social media. Facebook and Instagram, we're there for you. Being on those platforms gives you the opportunity to share the What For podcast with your friends, and we really highly encourage you to do that. And don't forget to subscribe to the What For podcast, whether you use Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify or whatever service you use for podcasts, subscribe to the What For podcast to stay up to date on the latest episodes. Well, that's going to do it for this week. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. And remember to listen to each new episode as we continue to give the world the what for.